This is the Cashflow Digest. My name is Matt Faircloth and me and the DeRosa team are here for you guys on a weekly basis video and broadcast recording. This is also live on our Facebook group, DeRosa Insiders. In whatever medium you're watching, please take a minute and like this comment. We're going to be talking about all things real estate and all things cash flow because our company is dedicated to transforming lives through real estate and cash flow can do that. We're going to be talking about things that are affecting the real estate industry, news in the real estate investing world. And we're also going to be bringing on guests that are crushing it in the cash flow sector of real estate investing. If you guys want to join and watch the show live, please go to Facebook and look up to Rosa Insiders and join that Facebook group where we record this show every Friday at noon Eastern. Hope to see you guys there. What is going on, DeRosa Insiders? This is Matt Faircloth. Welcome to the Cashflow Digest. If you guys are watching uh, on Spotify, thank you. If you guys are watching on YouTube, thank you. Most importantly, if you guys are watching live, uh, this program is broadcast live on Fridays at noon Eastern. Me or one of the DeRosa team joins our communities live here uh, on Facebook, on the DeRosa Insiders community. Take a minute and go to Facebook right now and join DeRosa Insiders, DeRosa, D-E-R-O-S-A Insiders on Facebook so that you can become a part of our live community. People are talking deals. People are talking real estate shop. Um, if you guys want to come and hang with other insiders in the DeRosa team, all those conversations are happening on Facebook at DeRosa Insiders. So join us there. Guys, I've got an action-packed show. We've got a live live guest coming on today, and I've got a video that I want to show you guys uh, that Justin and Tara were kind enough to record from out in the field. So a, a bit of a field reporting, a good conversation to be having. So let's talk about that. Okay, guys, listen, I want to transition to our folks in the field. Really, it's truly what they are. They're phenomenal people that they go out there and do great stuff for us uh, in the field. They are the hammers of the DeRosa superpower assessment. They are the people that get things done. They, uh, this is Justin Fraser and Tara Smiley. I love her last name, Tara Smiley. She makes me smiley because her name is Tara Smiley. Uh, they are out in the field and at one of our apartment buildings. They, they've got a message for you guys about apartment buildings and about property management. So let's jump over to them in the field. Justin and Tara, uh, take it away. Hey, Matt, thanks so much for throwing over to us. I'm here in Lexington, Kentucky with our asset manager, Tara Smiley here. And man, we're on site at our properties and wanted to share with you why we come to our property. Why should anyone visit their properties? What do we get out of it? Why do we take three days away from our families to come out here to beautiful Lexington, Kentucky and hang out? So first one is relationship building, right? We have to have strong relationships with the team members that are on the ground. Every one of our properties has a full set of people that works for us, site uh, managers, people on the maintenance team, uh, contractors and vendors that come in and out. We wanna meet with all of them, build relationships, bring them some donuts or a, or a coffee, chat with them about what they're working on, what they, how they'd like to see the property run, projects they'd like to do. We really try to make this a two-way street and what better way to hear from them and get a sense of what's happening at the property than actually being here. Because you don't get that same kind of interaction or conversation on the phone or on Zoom. Well, and then the other point to that is that when we're on site, you want to lead by example, right? So as an ownership group for a property, you want to lead your team by showing up and doing the things that you want them to be doing too, right? So you're modeling the behavior that you want your team, your on-site management and your site teams to represent for you. So we show up, we walk units, we dig into the reports, we ask the good questions, we offer the big amounts of praise for the things that they're doing that we rock in the house on, but we also provide a measure of accountability. We demonstrate that by doing it ourselves. So we're gonna get sweaty. We're gonna get dirty. We're gonna, you know, kind of put the finger and ask, hey, what's that? 
Um, and it's okay, you know, to say, I don't know. And we, we may say, we don't know, and we're gonna figure it out, and we're gonna figure it out together. And so I think that modeling of behavior is super important when you're visiting your sites. There's so much room for error and so much room for misinterpretation. On what, what do you mean by go get us bids for new floors, for example, right? So yesterday, Tara's got a great example there. We're, we were out sweating all day and walking our properties, but there's a property that we have a lot of renovations that we have to do. And we have a new uh, a team member here. And so we wanted to make sure that that team member really understood what our expectation of scope is. And we can show some completed units and all that, but for us, it's a lot more impactful to walk those unrenovated units and literally talk about everything. Okay, this is the type of appliances we like. We're okay with these countertops, but these floors have got to go. We Let's replace this. Not just replace, but this is the type of flooring we want. And over here, this is the kind of carpet we think we can save. Let's see if we can clean it. And physically pointing it out, walking through it repeatedly, time after time, unit after unit, that reputation builds. Now I know that when she walks into a unit across our portfolio, she's going to have a pretty good idea of what we are expecting because we can't be here every day, but she is. And so that, you know, that sort of training, that repetition, it gets our, our thoughts and opinions on what we want out and really reinforces it. So that way when we come back, we can hold the team to those quality standards because we set those standards here when we're all here together. That's it, Matt. That's your property visit tip of the day. We'll see you guys next time. Guys, great tips from uh, Justin and Tara. And what's interesting is uh, I, I talk to people in, in, in the multifamily world, they'll own assets that they never see. You can't rely on a property manager to be your eyes and ears, right? You may get disappointed because they don't have ownership eyes, right? Um, I think that uh, it's important to do is to have regular ownership eyes on your assets, not a property manager, somebody that owns a piece of the sticks and bricks, somebody that owns a piece of the dirt um, out on the property, uh, talking to the property manager. I'm not saying that your property manager is going to start stealing from you if you don't show up on a regular basis. But you're not going to notice things uh, from an owner set of eyes. An owner set of eyes are very important, not the same as your vendor. As Don't ever forget your property manager is a vendor, not an owner. Great video, Justin and Tara. Thank you uh, for shooting that in the field at one of our properties in Kentucky. Expect more videos coming down the pipeline. Got a great presentation from Vinny um, for a deal that DeRosa Income Fund just funded coming down the pipeline next week. And our guy, Hervé Francois, is going to be highlighting a market for you guys to consider investing in. For those of you guys looking for the next market, the next big thing in real estate investing in the U.S., in two weeks, is going to be highlighting a market on this show. So stay tuned, guys. So guys, our guest for today, Sydney Doucette, it's one of our vendors uh, with a company called Relay Financial. And that's a company that we use, we're very happy with. I want to talk to Sydney more about Canada and about the United States and about investing and his business experience in that. And this is someone who um, we can talk a bit about passive investing, maybe like a full-time job while you also build a real estate portfolio. Because some of you guys maybe don't want to quit your job because you love what you do, but you also want to build a real estate investing portfolio. So guys, please welcome to the show our guest today, and that is Sydney Doucette. Sydney, welcome to the show, man. How are you today? Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, as you mentioned, I am from Relay and we have a cool partnership behind the scenes here. As we are a business bank, it is nice to kind of meet folks like yourself, especially selfishly, as I am a property investor on the side as well. I always find it neat that I get to work with, you know, fairly larger groups and uh, all kinds of unique individuals alike. I'm from Relay, but I do have a real estate background as well. And uh, yeah, I'd love to touch on many, many points. So let's talk about you. Tell us a brief backstory of yourself. Give us your origin story as a real estate investor. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to give the, the very long story, a short and ugly approach here. So yeah, I, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I think that I embedded that mainly from my father, who was a very high risk entrepreneur growing up. So even at a very young age, 
you know, I was the kid on the front lawn with a lemonade stand trying to hustle. I was at flea markets, kind of marks my age a bit. Uh, I'm a little bit older than I look, but yeah, I was hustling at flea markets, which also in turn turned me into a full-on salesperson for my whole life. I I did live in the U.S. for a little bit. I was selling alarm systems door to door in New Jersey, Philadelphia, New York. Not a great experience, but it was good money. I just would never do it again. But in turn, it also gave me money to keep going with businesses. So I've owned everything from, I still own a trucking company, everything from grocery stores, uh, you name it, I've probably done it. And that's where it came into property investing. So I had a very close friend who, you know, he's still in his mid twenties and he's pretty much retired at this point, moved abroad. So I followed his journey a little bit and it really, really made me want to learn more about real estate investing. It made me want to have that kind of freedom or financial freedom that we all want, of course. With that being said, I also thought the stock market was where I should be. So I did invest pretty heavily in the stock market. I lost a ton of money. I think in my first year, I lost $40,000 US, which compared to perhaps our monopoly money here in Canada, it does hurt even greater. Sorry. It's still money, brother. It doesn't matter what country (laughs) it came from. It's still money. I mean, absolutely. Um, But yeah, that took a hit. And then I said, you know what? Maybe I'm not this great stock investor or trader uh, that I thought I could be. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go head first into this real estate game. And to be honest, it's a lot easier than what people think. So that's where it really came down to is how much money can I save a month, not just from my job? How can I start adding maybe a second job? How can I start saving $100 a month then $500 a month? And how do you get addicted to that savings? For me, it was as simple as getting to that first $500, then to $1,000, and then to $5,000, and then to $10,000. I think my first investment was, it cost me a total of $14,000. Today, I think just three years later, the equity alone, I think it's upwards toward closer to 200K in equity, which is insane to me. That was just around that COVID bubble. The interest rate on that property is, I think, 1.47, which is definitely a discussion nowadays is that the interest rates have obviously gone up. But I just closed on a property this month and the interest rate is 5.24. For me, it's borderline irrelevant because they're going to go up and down. As long as you have your ducks in a row and you have everything organized that you feel like you'll still make money, you can use it to your advantage too. If anybody's watching, uh, they're all going to be screaming at their uh, phones or their screens. Where are you getting 5.24 these days? Yeah. So I don't know if it's just the Canada thing or versus the US thing. Right now, to be honest, just from my local credit union, uh, we did get 5.24. We've brought a few properties now. So there's some leverage there as well. Do you Canadian Um, credit unions that are financing US deals or are you buying Canadian properties from that with that Canadian credit union? Great question. So right now I am investing solely in Canada. I do want to branch out to the U.S. sooner than later, uh, as soon as possible. Actually, I've been trying to dabble and learn more about it so that I can just jump on board, whether that's through partnership or through myself. Um, Ideally, I'd get involved with some syndication groups and and kind of go Mm -hmm. that route as well. Now Mm -hmm. that I'm finally building my own equity and I can try to jump in on on some of those deals. Um, But yeah, right now it's solely in Canada. Even in Canada versus the U.S., housing prices have gone crazy. So I, I live in a city that I wouldn't necessarily invest in the city myself just because the prices are so crazy. Mm-hmm. My first property was three and a half hours away. It's a three unit building and I've never had tenant issues. The, the renovations were pretty, pretty cheap and it's just been a, a slam dunk all around. Um, but I think I started er, mid 2020 um, and now I have seven properties, all triplexes, quads. And um, I think I'm at 17 doors now. So very small scale. I'm growing, but uh, my goal has changed to two buildings a month now is my goal. Uh, So two last month, one this month so far, I... um, I'll be closing another one likely this month too. Where are you getting the um, the seed capital? And I, I, I want to put a pin in this. I want to get into the like the differences Canadian financing versus U.S. financing. Something that we can um, talk about. Maybe people watching the show might be interested in, or maybe the title of the show becomes "Investing in Canada," right? Um, and that. So, uh, but where are you getting the equity to go into? Are, are you like scrolling it up? Are you buying with cash flow? Are you doing the 
you know, burr strategy. You said you got holes in the wall where you're living right now. So it sounds like you're not afraid of buying something that needs some work, right? Uh, so where's the equity coming from? Great question. So uh, I'll answer that in multiple parts here. I'll, I'll try to keep it short again. My first property, I guess I lied a little bit. I bought it for $1,700. That was a tax sale. Now, one thing I regret, yeah. And to be honest, there's a there's about $5,000 in fire damage. Nobody touched it. Once I actually bought it, I realized, hey, $80,000, it's a three-unit building. Uh, I sold that building for $5,000, my biggest regret so far to date, um, because I didn't realize the opportunity. That was my first experience ever. Right. You bought it for hey, 1700 sold it for five grand. And that was just purely at a tax sale auction. So you I didn't even your think money, I though. Look at you. Right. <laughs> right. And that was exactly it. So yeah. that would have been a deal with my father as well. So him and yeah. I are, are very, very close. To answer your question, where do I find the money? As I mentioned originally, is just getting addicted to that savings aspect is once mm. you start realizing that $500 a month is pretty easy to obtain when you put your mind to it, mm. and then you start to scale. So now I have cash flowing properties, plus I still have a full-time job. So that mm. full-time job allows me to continually put into that pot. As mm. I continue to put into that pot, um, if my father's getting involved in investing too, he'll also put into that pot. So now we have cash flow coming from our properties, my father, myself, and various partners. On that same note, is once you start to get experience and you're confident in closing deals and things like that, um, I now have friends that want to give me their money. Uh, to, to say it quite frank, is that now I have the knowledge deal that I closed this month, actually. My friend wrote me a check for $31,000 to close this property, and it's a 50-50 deal. So now I didn't put any money down. Um, just because I had the knowledge of how to close the deal, I didn't use any of my own money. So that still allows me, I still have equity, I still have capital on my own, and I'm still cash flowing, so I'm still looking for deals nonstop. Now, as time passes, I'll find more partners or more folks that do want to invest with you because they want to get involved because they start to see your growth and they start to mm -hmm. want to learn from you. And it just comes natural. It's, I, I think that um, for me too, uh, the first couple deals were the ones that I had to get the most creative on. Once I did those, you kind of learn what works and what doesn't work. Um, and then uh, your network starts to hear. I can't tell you how many people have heard that. Like, I did these deals, I didn't get more creative, kind of got my teeth kicked in a little bit, got this shaken up, and then I had some success. And then all of a sudden, my network all of a sudden came out of nowhere and said, hey, you're doing that real estate investing thing. I want to do that too. You're kind of generating that momentum uh, from your network. That's awesome. Okay, tell me more about, uh, about Canada, the Canadian market. Um, you're in the Nova Scotia section, which in, in the United States, we would call that like a state. Uh, you guys call it a province, right? That's correct. Most people don't know where Nova Scotia is. It's perfectly okay. It's far, far east. Uh, I'm living in the future over here in my time. North of Maine. Caitlin. Yeah. Exactly. Right. It, and it's so it's one hour ahead of us. In terms of investing in Canada, I guess I would need to understand more about where the US market is currently. But I feel like it's not necessarily the same. But with COVID going on and everything like that, everything is crazy. You just bought a deal recently, right? Don't translate anything to US dollars. Let's just talk in Canadian, okay? Um, yep. What did you pay for it? So it's 167,000, it's an off-market deal. So yeah. same thing with that is now that I'm starting to grow, I have my property manager slash realtor always looking for deals. Our network is growing. So now people are bringing deals to us too. Okay, um, so and the reason why I said don't, cause I don't want you to have to keep translating, but let me just put this pin marker in here. What is the current, like the rough, so for people listening, what exchange rate should they be applying to the numbers that you say? Just I don't, I don't, I don't wanna make you have 1. to- 1.25, yeah. 1.25, so 160,000, um, in Canadian is 1.25 US dollars. So roughly uh, my, my team likes to make fun of me because I'm pretty good math guys, so like 120 K US, right? Okay. Is, did it need work? It does need work. So it's a three unit building that is still under rene renovation. I think oh. it was actually an old modified, um, old, old church uh, that's been modified a few times over. But what really appealed to me was that there's the ability to add a fourth unit and oh. a whole separate storage. So like 
I could use this for storage for my own supplies. Now that I'm getting busier, I have lawnmowers, things like that, that I have to think about now that I didn't, I didn't before. So this storage actually created a great opportunity for me. Um, but then I also saw the ability to add another unit to add even more cash flow. Yeah. And by the way, uh, if you guys are just interested in my opinion, roughly on that one, if I'm sitting, I'm paying myself rent, but you're paying yourself what? Yeah. If I put my lawnmowers and that kind of jazz in there, because at the end of the day, you end up getting more complex enough with enough LLCs or companies or just ventures that you end up having this venture and then this other venture. And that, so you guys shouldn't just assume it's all one big happy family, right? Treat each little property like it's its own little micro business. So if I'm Sydney and I'm putting lawnmowers in a little storage unit, that's awesome. Pay me a hundred bucks. You know, I, I have to pay me a hundred bucks for that unit or whatever, right? So if, if you know, Sydney decides to do that, that's on him. That's great. What is the amount of uh, the, the optimized uh, cost to get it from where you purchased it at 160K Canadian to where you think that you'd like to take it? What's your rough back of the napkin budget uh, on what your reno is going to cost you? 35,000. 35K. Okay. So that would be, that's actually embellishing. It'd probably be closer to 25,000, but I always want to plan the worst case scenario. Right. Uh, yeah, twenty five thousand. Be an optimist when it comes to budgeting for construction. I'm an optimist, and I've learned that I what do they say? Expect the best, plan for the worst, right? So, the great way to look at it. So, we're talking around two hundred k Canadian, give or take, um, on what it's going to run you when you're all in, right? So, what rental income do you expect that property pr to produce for you in rents once you've done the reno, you've shaken it up? Most units will go for about a thousand, so. Gross will be just roughly 4,200 once we have four units right now. I think it's sitting around 37, uh, or sorry, 3,600. Net, we're probably looking at about $1,400 cash flow plus the equity gain, of course. Guys, we thought the 2% rule is dead. We've found it. We've revitalized the 2% rule. Here it is in Canada. That's interesting, guys, because US markets become very overpriced um, compared to rents. Uh, you, you know, Now you're lucky to do the 1% rule. Sydney, you're familiar with the percent rules I'm talking about, right? I, I do try to follow the 1% rule. And then, of course, if I have to make changes, I do. Just catch yourself a home run with the 2% rule, brother. Look at you. So uh, real quick, guys, for those guys unfamiliar with what me and Sydney are rapping about here, what it is, is if you look at the all-in uh, investment on a property, not what you paid for it. Okay. Let's not go there because you also need to do as Sydney does. You got to renovate it. Right? So he's all in at around plus or minus 200 K. Okay. If I look at that number, $200,000 and he's telling me he's going to make four, you know, like he said 42, let's round him down. Cause we got to be conservative down to $4,000. The $4,000 he's making a month in rent, uh, is 2% of his all in cost. A good deal, uh, in, in the U S at U S based financing, which I haven't asked Sydney what that's going to look like yet on him. Let's go there in a minute. Um, but on US-based financing and what banks used to be willing to lend pre-pandemic, a 1% rule would probably be about break-even. So at DeRosa, my company, we try and get into 1 1.2, 1 1.3, 1.4% rule, right? Uh, the 2% rule, you got yourself a cash cow, just get, get on that, get on out there and milk it. You might be able to do the real burr strategy. Sydney would be able to go in there, do the reno, and then refi that property to pull out uh, his initial cash and maybe go in a little bit higher on debt if you wanted to, right? Um, now, Talk to me about, you, you already teased us before with this awesome Canadian credit union debt you got coming in at 5.3%, I think. Uh, Let me ask you first, what is your interest rate? <laughs> oh, six, seven, eight. Okay. Six, if you're financing through a federal agency like Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, that might finance an apartment building for us, they're going to be at six. A local small community bank, a la credit union, like you're talking about, is going to be in the sevens. I've heard investors talk about eight. You know, we're looking at a new construction project. We're actually going to be building uh, a rental property. The construction loan is going to be in the mid to high eights, might even flirt with nine. And then I'm lucky if I refinance it down to seven once I'm done. Right. So welcome to my world. It used to be two, three, four. Right. But the U.S. market just went, 
you know, when, uh, when, when everything went crazy, uh, especially with the Fed pushing rates and all the money the U.S. printed during the uh, COVID pandemic, which didn't sound like it affected the Canadian market as bad as it affected the U.S. What loan to value do you underwrite to? Talk to me through that. Talk me through the debt structure. Give me, give me the whole debt picture. So really comes down to that rough 35000 31,000 of that is coming from my new investing partner. This is my first partnership ever. So it is actually a new field for me. So Woo-hoo. it's a learning curve. And then that $4,000 is literally just the closing costs that we all uh, go through. Mm-hmm. I-, I guess in terms of getting that rate, it's from a small town. It's a small local credit union. They are dying for deals in general. Um, and I was with a national provider, of course. We have pretty much five major banks in uh, Canada that I wouldn't say they have complete monopoly, but they own just about everything. And with those local credit unions, it does give you an advantage to work with them. Typically, they actually charge more. I've established now a great relationship with the bank manager who clicks the yes button more frequently than not, uh, which is always great. And uh, it does allow me to leverage that a little bit if I keep bringing deals to him. And then eventually, I'll be able to leverage that to a different bank as a total. Um, that's what's great about small community banks, by the way, is you can meet with a guy or gal that's pushing the yes button for a large bank through in the US as well. And that person pushing the yes button may be doing it from five states away. The uh, loan on this deal, what was the loan to value percent wise uh, at, at acquisition? I think it, the mortgage is only going to be for 130000 And I took on the responsibility for putting that extra 25000 down as my own cash. So you put in twenty five k. your investing partner put in thirty one k. Yeah. I haven't put it in yet, but um, so the perk of me working with my dad is my dad gets to control that work. So I will be paying for it. You're good for it. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Um, 130K is actually pretty good, pretty close to uh, your your, your, uh, strike price. I I mean, um, again, uh, back in the napkin in Matt's head, that's somewhere around 75% loan to value, plus or minus. Is it your long-term plan to season the property and refinance it once you're fully leased at at 4K a month? Yeah, so I wouldn't do it right away. So right now, because interest rates are so crazy, I actually want to try to use it as my advantage. So who knows, maybe the rates continue to climb. I have Mm. it locked in for three years. Mm. Um, If I do want to do it earlier, why not, right? Um, If it makes sense. Now, with that exact case is, yeah, my real goal would to be pull out a line of credit on that building so that it's fixing itself. I'm not actually fronting the cash, but I do have the guarantee to get that uh, loan. Once I have that loan, the building will be paying for its own line of credit and so on and so forth. And then you've unlocked uh, maybe the building. And in, again, in the US, with that kind of rent, the building's probably worth all day long 300K. So you could do a line for maybe 70, 80K uh, and put that to work in your next deal and buy another one just like that uh, right next door. Exactly. All in, what are you projecting your cash flow to be uh, when you're when you're all said and done? My goal would be to always make about 1400 Now, this actually brings me back to your men- uh, mention about a property manager. It's mm-hmm. very important to have a great one. I was lucky, I feel, uh, because my property manager has been in the business for 27 years. They have a blacklist of tenants not to put in. Um, so I haven't had any issues with tenants on any of my properties. But an important key thing to note about that is you're 100% right. You can't fully trust that they're going to take care of everything. I feel blessed that I have my father to actually, uh, as you mentioned, take care of the lawns and things like that. So he's actually the one pushing the mower right now. And he's throwing the mower. And yes, we are definitely going to charge rent on that. Um, because of course you want to show your building cash flowing so that you can bring that back to the bank and say, Hey, my property is actually worth this because of all this extra money I'm bringing in the ultimate goal, cash flowing $1,400 cash flow, but the equity, uh, or the total value of the property should be around that 300 K mark once we have four units. So annualized, uh, that, that is coming, that is coming in around like probably, you know, just under 20 K. So around like maybe 18 K all your, all your equity is in there at, uh, you know, roughly around 60. So if you didn't refinance it, 
that's still a phenomenal cash on cash return. Probably talking about double digits cash on cash. So guys, that is interesting. Probably worth talking about for those of you guys that want to hear more um, about the uh, Canadian real estate investing market. We'll get Sydney to give his info at the end. Um, Sydney, uh, not only are you a phenomenal Canadian real estate investor um, buying up converted churches, you also uh, work with, uh, with Relay. Uh, who we use as well, we call it like cash management services and for banking relationships. Tell us real quick, why, why Relay? Absolutely. So there's a couple of different angles here. To be honest, before I worked for Relay, um, I was living off my real estate, but I did want a full-time job because I found that I still had tons and tons of time throughout the day. And working with Relay gave me the opportunity to meet folks like yourself, Justin, who I spoke with a few times now. And uh, it gives me an opportunity to, to keep you know selling and be a salesperson that I'm great at. Um, but with Relay, absolutely. It's a free digital bank. It's really designed for small, medium businesses as a whole. In terms of real estate in general, I actually thought it was perfect. Before I even joined Relay, I tried to sign up because with Relay, you can have up to 20 checking accounts. There's no fees on those. There's no minimum balance requirements. I wanted to separate all my properties in one centralized location. That way, all my property management fees, my tenants, everything like that would be managed. My accounts would have been called by their address. Uh, so that 123 Main Street is good here. 123 Butler Street is good here. Um, and then I know exactly where all my money's coming from because I work with multiple banks now. So I wanted a centralized location. Um, some folks, larger firms like yourself will use it more of a managerial perspective. But one thing I found out is I'm Canadian. So I actually can't even open up a Relay account. So I said, you know what? You can't beat them, join them. I liked what I saw. So I figured if I liked it, other people would like it too. Um, and for the real estate investors in particular, real estate's our number one client by far. So there's so many different use case scenarios, whether you're a property manager, um, where you have multiple properties that you're managing and you want various uh, accounts that you can cash flow easily. We have sweep accounts that have auto transfer rules. So that completely hands off cash flow management. What I mean by that is you can have money coming into your income account that automatically distributes to all of your other accounts based on percentage. So if you always know money's coming in and you want 20, 15, 30% to go away for taxes, you don't have to think about it, unfortunately. Um, it can disappear on a Monday, on a Tuesday, every week, every month, however you set that up for yourself. Cool. That's great. DeRosa uses Relay, right? So uh, one thing that we like about Relay um, that I'm very happy about is that I have uh, multiple staff members that all uh, have Relay cards, right? And so I can give cards with limits to either contractors or to uh, my staff. So I can I can give a contractor a credit card and I know that he can only spend but 500 bucks on the card or whatever it is for building materials or whatever. So they can't, it stops the the owner from having to go and call the Home Depot or call the Lowe's or whatever, the credit card number when they're buying materials. Oh yeah, the card number is this. Yes, they're fine. Yes, it's good. It, it allows people to stay effective. Uh, why you can log into an online portal and do as easy as just click and turn their credit card off if you have to, um, or turn it back on. The cash management services have been very easy to use um, and everything like that. So I'm I'm very happy uh, with Relay. I call it like an investor focused company. So if you guys want to hear more about Relay, about about joining them for uh, your cash management services, your banking relationships, it's an online presence. You know, not something you have to walk into a brick and mortar store on. So their overhead costs are very cheap and very affordable. A lot of a lot of what they do is free. Use the Derosa. Uh, affiliate link as the referral code because we love you guys so much. We, we put a relationship out there. Or you guys can just go to re, relayfi.com forward slash pricing. And I think under the coupon code, use the word DeRosa. Uh, and I think that does get you guys some benefits in that for that doing that too. So, yeah. Sydney, thank you uh, for joining me today on the Cashflow Digest. I uh, appreciate you. I appreciate Relay's relationship with us here at DeRosa Group. And I really appreciate you highlighting the opportunities in Canada. Um, if people want to hear more, from you, they want to contact you either about Canada or about Relay directly. How do they do that? Give us your contact information. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I guess I would just say, I would use my email at Relay, of course, it's sydney at relayfi.com. That might be the best way. That way I can keep it Relay friendly as well. 
Um, and I'm glad you mentioned the cards because I was actually talking to Justin briefly and he mentioned that a real live example was he was at a hotel and his card got declined. He logged into his mobile app, changed the amount. It was approved within a second. And then, yeah, of course, when you're hiring subcontractors or folks that you want to distribute those cards to, there is one more feature. I promise this is a very small plug, but it's called enriched transaction data. It actually tracks all the details on that purchase for you. So you as an owner or beneficial owner of the company distributing this card, you're going to get to see the category of the transaction, the business phone number, the business location, all down to the map location for you. So you don't have to, uh, I guess you can keep a close eye on where your cards are being spent. Uh, but on that note, yeah, I'm happy to meet with anybody anytime. It's all good. Sweet. Guys, check out Relay. If uh, we, we do a lot of due diligence on selecting uh, the vendors that DeRosa works with, and we really love Relay, which is why I, would, I uh, wanted to have you guys on today. So we're very, very happy with Relay and glad to have you today. Uh, so guys, Sydney at RelayFI.com, Sydney at RelayFI.com to hear more about Relay or to you want to pick the brain about Canada a little bit, shoot them a line there too. Uh, thank you so much. Sydney, thank you so much for joining me today on the Cashflow Digest. Love to have you back on soon. Take care. Sounds good. We're going to wrap today, but it was a great show overall. Great tip from Justin and Tara about putting boots on the ground, your boots, ownership boots, not just relying on your property manager's boots. Um, and I also got to hear great tips about, guys, listen, I want to bring it home with one thing. You can't control a market. All you can do is find markets that are doing great things and be a participant in those markets as we are as investors. We're not market drivers. We are market participants. Maybe the markets you're looking at aren't producing uh, good cash flow or returns that you want to see. Consider taking your blinders off and maybe looking outside the US, uh, looking into other markets that maybe uh, are producing the cash flow you might want to see. Consider consider joining Sydney up in Canada. Maybe only go in the summer months when it's nice up there. Uh, don't go in the winter or let that let Sydney handle that for you uh, or the property manager go in the winter time. Right. All, all joking aside, consider uh, all markets out there that you could that you could uh, take a look at. Right. Guys, join us next week. We've got another great guest coming on to the Cashflow Digest. Uh, like I said, Vinny's going to be highlighting a deal uh, that we've just uh, closed on in the DeRosa Income Fund. Great returns coming from DeRosa Income Fund. It's doing so great. If you guys want to hear more about that, and if you're an accredited investor, go to derosagroup.com forward slash DIF, derosagroup.com forward slash D-I-F. That is DeRosa Income Fund's main website. Hope you guys can join us on that. It is growing rapidly uh, and a great vehicle for those that are looking for cash flow today on their money. That's what we got for you today, guys. Thanks for joining the Cashflow Digest. Talk to you guys soon.